everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We are your co-hosts, Solomon and Jamila Jefferson. We want you all to know, no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we've made, we will not allow our past to determine our future. We welcome today our guest, Sister Tanisha Wilcox, to share her testimony when she experienced having a stroke and being in a coma for two months and where she is currently in her journey. Welcome, Sister Tanisha. Can you briefly share a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am a 39-year-old African-American woman, a mother of twin boys who are, well, actually twin men. They are 19 years old, so they've just become adults. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised when I was 21 years old. God led me to move to Philadelphia, and I lived in Philadelphia for about eight years before God then led me again to move to Maryland. So I currently reside in Waldorf, Maryland. Professionally, I obtained my associate's degree from the Community College of Philadelphia, in elementary education. And then I moved on to Temple University to get my bachelor's of applied science in elementary education. From there, I went to Drexel University where I received a master's degree in education administration and collaborative leadership. And then after that master's degree, I attended Liberty University's Theological Seminary where I received a master's of art and religion in church planting and evangelism. So can you share some of your story during the time you experienced your stroke and being in a coma for two months? I can share what happened before and after because when I was in a coma, I had no idea. So even with everything that I went through, I give God the glory because even with my experience, I feel like everything was orchestrated by God. Like he did everything so well. Um, That particular morning, it was a Saturday morning. And one of my sons, my older twin, he was at work and my younger twin was home with me. And we were on our way to a kickball tournament that we were in our church and some other churches competing against each other. So we went to the tournament and the field where the tournament was held was about an hour away. So we drove all the way there. And we're at the tournament for about three hours or so. And so on the way back from the tournament, I actually had to go to praise and worship rehearsal. As we were driving back, you know, my son, he lets me know he and his girlfriend were going to go to a basketball game. And then before we reached home, he uh, basically let me know those plans had changed because something happened with the game. So he would just be home. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. So pretty much when I got back to my house, I realized there weren't any snacks or anything, any foods in the house that he would like to eat because he had actually been out of town the week before. And when my sons aren't home, I really don't do, you know, the same level of shopping, grocery shopping that I do when they are here. So I dropped him off at the house and then I rode to the supermarket down the block, got some things for him and bought the things back to the house. So when I called him, um, when I got back outside, I said, hey, please come grab the bags. I'm here. He came out to grab the bags and he went into the house. So when I went to press the ignition button on my car, that's when the pain started up my right arm and it went to the back of my neck. And it felt as if someone took a metal rod and shoved it down the back of my neck through the bottom of my spine. So it just came out of nowhere. And I really tried to, I tried to readjust my body, hoping that if I changed how I was sitting, maybe that position would help me a little bit. 
And um, when I moved to the right, it was very painful. I moved to the left, it was very painful. And so I think the scariest part for me in that moment was not knowing exactly what was happening because I can be very type A. I need to know what's going on. And for me not to be able to identify what is actually happening to me, it was really scary. I um, was like, oh God, like what's, what's going on? Like, I don't know what this is. And then I heard stroke. And so I looked into my rear view mirror and I was like, Lord, I'm like, don't let my face twist up. Then I called my first lady because I'm like, I know that if I can call anybody who I know could get through to God, it's her. And also because she's very rational. So she's not going to be so emotionally led, but she's going to get right to business, which is, okay, let's plead the blood of Jesus. So I called her to let her know, hey, I'm not going to be at rehearsal today because I'm in my car. I was on my way to rehearsal, but I don't know what happened. I just got this pain and I began to explain to her what I was going through. I told her I'm on my way to the hospital because at this point, my son had come back outside because he was looking like, why haven't you pulled off? And I told him, I'm like, call the ambulance right away. So he went back inside, called the ambulance. And as he called the ambulance, his girlfriend, she pulled up. So when I look back at everything, I think about how good God was because that could have occurred on my way to the field during that hour long trip on our way back from the field. And I could have wrecked out, killed myself and my son on a spot. Like my son could have been at his basketball game and not been there to even call the ambulance. And so even to the point of his girlfriend pulling up while everything was going on, she was able to be a support for him witnessing me going through that situation. So then basically the next thing I remembered was I was in a hospital in North Carolina. The crazy thing about it, when I think back, I never once asked my sister, like, why am I in the hospital? You know, like I remember being in the hospital, but I never asked, like, what am I doing here? And so uh, what had happened was my sister, she had come up from North Carolina and was here with me because when the ambulance came and picked me up, um, I had already passed out, I was told. They took me to the hospital out here in Southern Maryland that's closest to my home. And I was so bad off, I was told they could not do anything. So I had to be hella vacked over to uh, another hospital in D.C., which is where I was and where I went into a coma for two months. It was also in D.C. where the surgeon uh, went in and did brain surgery to go in and correct the issue that took place to cause the rupture in my brain. Wow. Thank you, Sharon. Praise God. Holy name for the miracle. You know, the signs of stroke in men and women based on the CDC, sudden numbness or weakness in the face, arms or legs, especially on one side of the body, sudden confusion, trouble speaking or difficulty understanding speech, sudden trouble seeing in one or both eyes, sudden trouble walking, dizziness, loss of balance or lack of coordination, sudden severe headache with no known cause. Of course, it says call 911 right away if you or someone else has any of these symptoms. And it's amazing how you had mentioned how God placed in your spirit the word stroke and how God gave you time to 
reach out to your first lady and your son being there. I was reading a devotional from the Youth Virgin Bible app, and the subtitle of this particular devotion is Miracle Invasion, the Holy Spirit Gifts at Work Today, Day 5. And it says, the word miracle gets tossed around pretty loosely these days. If your favorite sports team pulls out a fourth quarter comeback, it's a miracle. If medical researchers come up with a new prescription for some chronic disease, it's called a miracle drug. But to be a bit more precise, here's a definition in line with what the Bible calls a miracle. An event that supersedes known scientific natural laws, which are temporarily suspended because of a supernatural act of God. In other words, the universe normally works a certain way, dot, 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 only in some cases it doesn't. And it went on to share a story about a 14-year-old. They were playing around on the ice and they slipped in and he went all the way to the bottom. It was about like 150 feet from the shore and the ice suddenly gave way. The other two boys managed to scramble out, but he didn't. And he sank all the way to the bottom. So, of course, they called 911. Mind you, after him sinking all the way down to the bottom... I think the paramedics and, you know, the EMTs got there in 15 minutes. They got him to the hospital and they performed CPR on him for like 27 minutes. And he was actually like pronounced dead. His mother recalls that my son only had brainstem activity. His lungs were full of acid and that if he did live, he would be a vegetable. I answered, doctor, I understand that you're the best. Do the best of your ability. The rest is up to God. To make a long story short, 16 days later, the boy walked out of the hospital completely recovered. He even visited his Christian school on the way home to thank everyone for praying for him and to pick up his homework. And earlier, it had mentioned that mom, she actually, once they got to the hospital, prayed for him and everything. So, you know, when you mentioned your story, it reminds me of this story. I'm just like, praise God, holy name. I was listening and I was reading the CDC, what they were saying about signs of the stroke. And I heard your story, and I thank God because one of the uh, signs supposed to be uh, difficult speaking. But God didn't allow that to happen to you because you was able to speak rationally to your first lady to get the ball rolling. So that by itself is a miracle in process. So we, I thank God just for that. Like I said, he is beyond awesome because I didn't even realize I was in a coma. My sister, she really did an amazing job because I was amazed, one, that my son even knew to call my sister. Because once I got out of the hospital and came around to grasping everything, I asked my sister, I'm like, well, how did you know? And she said, Donnell called me immediately. So I was just like, wow. And then from him calling her, she was making calls to everybody. One thing that I always remembered, I remember when I was in the hospital, it was like I told my sister, I'm like, I could feel that people were praying for me. It was overwhelming how much I could feel the prayers of the righteous. I just knew people were praying on my behalf and making sure that I was okay and going to God, you know, to come through and pull me through. And that was an awesome feeling. And for the first time in my life, I think my perspective on friendship was different. When I was younger, I thought more in terms of, you know, your friend or your best friends being those people who you go out and break bread with and all that stuff like that. But at the end of the day, what really matters, what I find is what really matters is our friends who can pray and get a prayer through God, because that's what mattered in that situation when I was in the hospital. And to speak to the miracle of it all, 
my sister, she would tell me stories because she was there every step of the way. My sister, Crystal, she came up from North Carolina and I really appreciated her for that because she is a mom of six and she left the kids there with her husband, would come up, was there in the hospital with me and she was there every step of the way, making sure I was okay. And then also orchestrating the family dynamics between my biological family and my church family. And my church family, they were there. They were there around the clock. Somebody was always there making sure that I was being well taken care of and all of that. And one thing that my sister used to tell me is that when everything first happened, that I was literally paralyzed on my entire left side of my body. So I couldn't move my arms, my legs, nothing. Because what I had was a right brain bleed. So it affects the left side of the body. I'm walking today. I'm My arms is moving. I'm walking. Like, God is amazing. The only after effect is I have this tingling sensation. Like, my foot is constantly falling asleep all the time, every single day. That's the only thing that I still feel now. But it's not as intense as it used to be, but even in that. So a lot of times, you know, I'll be just praying and I'll look at my foot and I'm like, God, I thank you that my foot will be 100% restored back to normal. Because even though, you know, the tingling is not the worst thing, because it could have been definitely worse. I've seen my walking improve because when I first got out of the hospital, it felt as if I had a huge weight on the bottom of my foot. So I was walking kind of slow and more dragging along, but being cognizant of that, I was practicing um, being intentional with my footsteps. And then also with the help of the physical therapy that I had, it helped me to be able to walk a lot more, I guess I'll say normal for lack of a better word. Amen. We just give God the glory. God is so faithful. So how did this experience impact your children and your other family and friends? So... My son who was here, my son, Donnell, so I have twins. Their names are Corey Donnell and Donnell Corey. So Donnell was here with me when everything happened because he was also with me that morning when we were at the kickball tournament. You know, he was the one who called 911 and he was there to witness everything. And like I said, I was told that I had passed out before the ambulance got there. So who knows what else happened in before they got there? He witnessed all of that firsthand. And so I will say when I got back home from the hospital, when I was officially, officially back home, I noticed a disconnect. I sat with him and I told him, I'm like, listen, we're not as close. It felt to me in my assessment, and I'm not a psychologist by any means, but just, you know, knowledge, discernment and being a mother. I feel like you are not allowing yourself to really engage me or love me like you do because you are afraid if I do that and then something happens to her again that she, he was protecting himself if that makes sense so from there you know I started to try to seek out therapists that we can go to together as a family but of course with COVID you know that's not uh, what's happening at the moment but you know it definitely affected him on that level and we're getting back slowly but surely because I've been praying and I'm like, God, please, you know, let him know that it's going to be okay. Like you heal that because it wasn't until one day when I got back home and he and I were watching a movie together and there was a scene in the movie where 
um, the mother, like it was the movie The Impossible, where this family was on vacation over in Asia and there was a tsunami took place while they were on a resort. And the, the flood over flooded the whole resort. And so the boy, it was like his dad and his two younger brothers were in the pool. He was standing by the pool and his mother was in another location of the resort. And then once everything happened, he saw his mother floating face down in the water. And thank God she was alive. But as I was watching that movie with my son, I felt it. It was just like, wow. This had to be like what he was feeling like to see his mother, you know, in that situation, helpless. And it was definitely a transition. And like I said, God is good because we're we're getting back stronger. I'm doing my part in terms of, you know, taking blood pressure medication, because that is one thing that I was told that I had high blood pressure. I had no idea I had high blood pressure. And the doctors were even saying that they believe I've had high blood pressure for some time, but it was never diagnosed. And so that's probably what caused the issue in the first place. So I'm doing my part. And then my sister, she kind of has those same feelings, I feel. We were very close of all my siblings. I have a lot of siblings. So growing up in my household, I was the oldest of six. And then on my dad's side, I have three other siblings. And me and my sister, Crystal, you know, we're the closest within my mom's household. And so she even has admitted to me that she's pulled away some because it was traumatic for her to experience me going through everything that I went through. So it's really been an ordeal. But I think what I'm trying to do most of all is focus on the fact that, you know, God is good. And I have to keep reminding people like, God is good. I'm here. Don't hold on to what you may have experienced or witnessed with me when I went through what I went through. It's a year later. God is good. He's here. And I'm glad when you had mentioned about prayer, the scripture that comes to mind is James 5, starting at verse 16 from the New Living Translation. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And also when you had talked about your son and also your other family member, we're all on this journey. And like you mentioned the trauma and how they were impacted. It's their own journey as well. And so it's a process. And so it's a blessing that you said that you're doing your part and then you reached out therapy and support because we don't know until we're actually in that situation, how things are and how we would be impacted by it. There's a scripture that comes to my mind, and it's Isaiah 41.10. God says, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What that says to me is that whatever we go through, whether we're conscious of it or not, God is always there. And listening to your story, and looking at you, it just shows the goodness of God. Because I remember years ago, I had a cousin uh, back in around 2007. He had a stroke. And unfortunately for him, he he was a diabetic, plus he had high blood pressure. And he was an African-American. And he was about 53 years old. And he had a stroke, and he went in a coma for about four months. But unfortunately, he didn't come out of it. I had an uncle who was an alcoholic about 12 years ago. I had a stroke. It had affected his whole left side of his body. So in order for him to move his left hand, 
he had to use his right arm to move his left hand. And he wouldn't quit drinking after the doctors told him to. And unfortunately, two years later, he had another stroke. But the second stroke that he had, he was unsuccessful. He, he, he took him out. Then I had an aunt on my father's side. She was about 54. She had a stroke. And she was still able to stay in her own home with some little help. But then four years later, she had another stroke. And they had to put her in a nursing home. And she stayed in a nursing home with help about four years that she passed. So to stand here and talk to you and see God's glory in your life, it just goes to show that God is still God. And what I mean by that is God is not done with you yet. In other words, there's more to be done. And thank God for that. Interestingly enough, when I was in the hospital, I had a lot of downtime. And like usually before everything happened, I was a school teacher. I worked at a private charter school in D.C., and um, then being a teacher, which is a consuming job, and then also then coming home, being a mom and just regular life stuff. So being in the hospital now, I was completely alone, if you will. You know, there were times when it was just me in that hospital bed and um, God really was able to get my attention. Like he was pointing some things out and I was just like, oh, God, like, hold on, hold on. Like, you know, he was just pointing out some things that. You know, in my mind, if you would have asked me, I was thinking, oh, yeah, you know, not that I'm this perfect Christian because no one is perfect, but I could have told you, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going strong in the Lord and all this good stuff. And God was just pointing out so many different things to me. I remember um, with my attitude and everything, I remember when everything happened and I was in the hospital. So my son, we were talking on the phone, my son, Corey, my oldest son, and I remember speaking to him one night in the hospital and he's like, dad is coming to get me. And I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, you know, he's going up there for a visit, which is fine. I'm like, all right, that's cool. And so now about a week or so passes and I speak to his brother and his brother says, yeah, I don't think Corey's coming back home. And at that moment, I just decided like, you know what, you haven't got that information from the source, which is from Corey or from their father. So don't even grab hold to that and run away with it. Wait till you have full information. Uh, maybe like a week later, I contacted their father. And as I recall this story, I see myself in the hospital room and I'm standing up and I'm on the phone and I asked him, I said, Hey, so when are you bringing Corey home? And he says to me, Oh, well, you know, Corey's going to stay here with me now. And in that split second, I was about to go off because one thing about me in the past was when it comes to my sons, I'm sure like all parents, but like my kids are very close to me. They are my hearts, like really. So I'm very protective over them. And there have been things that have happened in the past between myself and my ex-husband that have caused me to be even that much more protective. So when he said that in that moment, my initial reaction was to go off. But then immediately it was like, I heard the voice of Holy Spirit. He was like, ma'am, calm down. You just had stroke. You just Amen. had surgery. Relax yourself. And so I just simmered all the way down and I said, okay. And, you know, when I got off the phone, I cried. I was like, Lord, he's trying to take my baby. Like, you know, it was hard. It really was. But, you know, 
God is good because my son, mm-hmm. so they were in their senior year of high school. I missed their entire senior year. So my son, Corey, he was actually being homeschooled at the point that everything happened through Liberty University's mm-hmm. online academy. That's more independent, that work. And it turns out that he wasn't really being as diligent with completing his work. So I say all that to say that, you know, even in that situation, God was working it out because my ex-husband came and got him and he was with him in Philadelphia. He enrolled him in a wonderful school there. My son was able to graduate. Had you not been in that situation, he wouldn't have came to Philly and been in where God wanted him to be. And I think when you share it, just being able to relate to you as well with the kid's father, my two older biological kids with some of the issues and situations. And then just as I'm maturing, letting go and letting God, and we're at a place where I give God the glory, where we've been in a better place because of some stuff that has happened with our 18 year old. So I just give God the glory because God is sovereign. We had to get out out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes we have to step out of the way and let God be God because I know about the protection too. <laughs> Believe me, I can relate as a mom, but ultimately what is God trying to teach? Not only me, but what is God trying to do and getting the glory through our kids? And just also what is God showing them? Right. When I think about your testimony and a lot of the scriptures and preparing for this regarding miracles, you know, I think of Lazarus, you know, I think of Tabitha, the story of Tabitha, you know, I think of Jarius' daughter. When you reflect in all of those stories, ultimately God got the glory. And it's in God's time too, because Lazarus was good and dead. You know, you were in a coma for two months. You know, it was God's divine time as to when you were going to come out. So it's just a blessing that God is continuing to get the glory through your life and to show others God is God and that God is so faithful. To add on to that, I have a nephew who slipped into a coma three years ago. And to this day, he's still in a coma. And family has continued praying for him, but However God or whatever the outcome is, God's still getting glory because this boy's still been going on for three years. Because to be honest with you, the doctors gave him three months. And it's been three years now. So we can't put a date on what God does. Because if we ain't careful, sometimes we write people off too. We have a tendency because of our rational thoughts. We give people deadlines. But God is the author and the finisher. I just wanted to add from one of the devotions from the YouTube U version Bible app, it was saying miracle breakthrough day one. Another thing I love about the miracle of Lazarus is the timing. Jesus didn't go to Lazarus right away. He waited days. Can you imagine? This seemed odd because Jesus and Lazarus were really good friends. And while he was waiting for Jesus to show up, he died. Even though the story of Lazarus included death, it didn't conclude in death. You know, something I've learned in my life is that God's timing is always perfect. Lazarus was dead and it wasn't too late for God. It's never too late for God, no matter how bad the situation is. Yeah. And and you know what? What I learned was I was not as ready as I thought I was before this situation. You know, I, I just knew I'm like, if I go today, I could go any day. I'm going to be right. Wake up in heaven. I'm going to go right to heaven. And what this experience has taught me is I still had a lot of fine tuning to do in my walk, you know, and it was something I could carry on to my sons. Like when I got back home, 
I was actually watching Pastor Michael Todd from Transformation Church, and he was preaching this message. So before I had streamed it up to the TV and I heard God say, have the kids come down and watch it with you. So I called them downstairs. We sat, we watched it. So when we got done watching it, you know, I said, you know, this is why I'm always encouraging you all to make sure that you maintain your relationship with God, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I'm like, I believe God didn't take me out because I wasn't ready. And my sons both did a double take. It was the funniest thing. Like they, they were like, you weren't ready. And I'm like, see what I'm saying? Like you, you have to be ready. You have to stay in relationship with God. And that was the biggest thing I think that shocked me. And it kind of scared me too, but in a good way. Cause it was just like, wow, God, like I really thought I was ready. I thought I was golden. You know, I thought I was good. Cause I, I serve in church and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I'm not doing this, not doing that. And you know, it really humbled me to be like, I need to get back to the drawing board in certain areas and get myself together. Amen. And I'm glad you shared that. That's just humility because I can relate and we all can. We're all a work in progress. And God is so awesome in the way he speaks to us and shows us. He God loves us. You know what I'm saying? So just even in all of that, I just give God the glory. And one scripture that comes to mind, John 14, 12 for, from the NIV translation Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And based on the commentary was saying that now, obviously, he's not saying that his followers would do every work he did. We aren't God and never will be. Rather, Jesus was talking about the scope of impact. His travels were limited as were the number of people who heard his voice. But in the years since, the church has carried his message to billions all over the world. And so as this platform that we're doing is to give God glory and for people to listen and hear, just like you're sharing your story and how you share it publicly as well. So God gets the glory and people could see the miracles and the works of the Lord. So to God be the glory. I thank God for that. I really thank you, sister, for coming to work today sharing your story because what you probably don't know is all summer long, me, my wife, and my daughter, we periodically did our exercises. But when I was preparing for this today, I was doing a lot of reading on some stories. And I had a lot of family members who had all different types of ailments, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, alcoholism, all of these things. And sometimes these things are passed down. But one thing that I'm learning from this is our bodies is the house of the Holy Spirit. It's a temple. And God wants to take care of this temple. And for everyone who's listening, I made a conscious decision today. I walked about three miles today, and I was reading on some things that I should be eating and things I shouldn't be eating. Because with my age, I'm in that group line that tells me that I am very susceptible to having a stroke. Because I'm a black African-American and I'm over 55 years of age. So that puts me in a high risk bracket. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take heed to everything that I read and have been reading and get myself together. Because this thing is serious. Because I believe God gave us warnings before destruction. I thank God during this pandemic, I was a size 12. And just recently learning that I came down to an 8 to God be the glory because even in this pandemic, God gets the glory, right? So I know what works for me. So I've been doing my little exercise, which I, I don't tend to like. And we were walking and riding bikes over the summer, but I 
said to myself, I had to be more intentional because our bodies are a temple to honor God in. And so I thank God for the breakthrough just now hearing him. Because like I said, we did work out together. But I know for me when he was ready. So I, I just give God the glory to hear that and just being intentional with what I put into my body health wise, because I know sugar was something that just didn't work too well for me or was not the greatest thing for me. So just having a consult with a nutritionist that I see virtually and being intentional. So I just give God the glory for that. So feel free to share any scriptures, practical resources that can be helpful to those impacted by what you went through, as well as that can be helpful to loved ones, family and friends. Well, scripture wise, the first scripture that comes to mind is the prayers of the righteous develop up. And I'm grateful for the righteous people in my life who pray. I'm grateful for that because my perspective has totally changed on life and what's really important. And what's really important is knowing the words of prayer, having a relationship with God. Like that is what is critical, period. And I've never realized that more so than I do now, how critical that is. Every time I talk about what happened with me, it's like I have joy bubbling up on the inside of me. Amen. <laughs> I don't want to say it's weird, but it's like the the most interesting feeling ever. Because I remember when my sister would be talking to me and she would be recalling a lot of the things that I went through in the middle parts of everything. Because like I said, I passed out before the ambulance even got to me. So I don't even remember them taking me, getting an ambulance. And then I was helicoptered to D.C. And so that became like my own little personal joke. And I was telling friends, now I could say I rode in the helicopter. And they're like, that doesn't count. I'm like, it does count. Even though I <laughs> alert, you know, to see the sight, I, in fact, was in the helicopter. So that does count. And, um, you know, it's just like, God is like, he's so good. And I think the biggest thing that I am seeking after, but I try not to stress over, is all right, all right, God, what do you want me to do? What should I be doing right now? You know, and that's one thing that a lot of people always ask me, like, because you know you're here for a reason. And it's like, yes, I do. Please don't add this pressure to my life. I already realized that there is something God wants to do. I'm seeking him about it. Trust me. But um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Grateful to be alive continuing in my therapies and I actually just had a friend who dropped off a book to me. So the name of the book is called A Stroke of Faith. It's by uh, Mark Moore with Andy Butcher and it's a stroke survivor story of a second chance at living a life of significance. And I look forward to reading this book. Like this came from a member of my church who reached out and was like, listen, I have this gift for you since last year. And so we met up and they gave me this book and I cannot wait to read it because I do like to read. And sometimes being an educator, you know, you really can't read the things that you want to read because you have to read the things you have to read to educate others, you know, so you don't really get to do as much reading as you like. But now that I have all of this extra time on my hands, I'm definitely going to get into that book. I'm just going to share a few more scriptures from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, from the New Living Translation states, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. So what you went through, God is getting the glory. No matter the circumstances that we go through, God uses it to promote the gospel of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, everyone should make sure that they know their history 
their health history and also keep up with, you know, going to their appointments and things like that. Because even though I kept up with going to my appointments and things of that nature, I had no idea that high blood pressure was something that I was experiencing. What made me really investigate it was that when I was going to therapy, before my physical therapy, they would always take my blood pressure and it would be high almost all the time. And it was weird because Mm -hmm. in my own mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm not eating crazy or I'm not doing this or doing that. And, you know, the Bible tells us that how our ways are not his ways, not thoughts are not thoughts. And so one day in having conversation with my father, uh, he was telling me that um, he had gone to the doctor himself and I was asking how, asking him how everything went. And so I mentioned the blood pressure and I was like, well, yeah, you know, is that something that you have? Like, does that run in the family? And so then he let me know that high blood pressure is something that my grandmother experienced, all of her siblings experienced, and something that a lot of members of our family experienced. So not having that information beforehand, it was like, wow. So I'm glad to know that I know that now. I am believing God that I will be off of this medication And I'm grateful even for that because like the medication itself, it's one little small pill, one little small pill. I'm grateful because I do not like taking pills of any sort. And the pill is very small, non-invasive, and even more so the insurance. So when I went into the Mm. coma, I was still under the insurance at my job. And then they recently switched me Mm -hmm. after uh, the enrollment period ended in September they switched me to a, I'm, I guess I'll call it a lesser insurance. And I say lesser because it may have been less money for them, but it meant having a higher deductible for me. So where if I go to a doctor's visit, I'm usually paying a $10 copay or something like that. I had a virtual appointment just a few weeks ago and my deductible was $100. And I was just like, okay, God, like what's going on here? That's a lot. So then when my doctor prescribed me the medication I'm taking, which is amlodipine, uh, when I went to the CVS to fill it, I was praying. I was like, God, please don't let this cost a whole lot out of pocket. And I get to the counter. It was a dollar and 60 cents. (laughs) You know, it's everything. Like somebody else might think that's small. That's big for me. You know, it's big for me simply because it was a request from God. It had nothing to do with the money. It's just the fact that I asked God something, he heard me, and he took care of it. So it was trust God, take care of yourself. We only have one body. To be able to do ministry, you need your body. So you got to be your best self. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And preparing for this on the CDC website, Women in Stroke, other African-American women shared their survivor stories as well. And one lady, she um, said she had struggled to control her high blood pressure. I think her name is Allison McCord. And that she encourages women to advocate for their health. Almost half of African-Americans have a risk factor that can lead to stroke. More than two in five African-American women are diagnosed with high blood pressure, which is a much higher rate than white women. So definitely, like you said, you know, once we know better, we do better. And it's such a blessing how God enlightened you about your health and how you're now honoring that. So we just give God the glory. 
no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we have made, it does not define who we are or where we are going. It is just a part of our story and the journey that God has us on to not only learn from these different experiences, but to sometimes be able to help support, encourage, and inspire others who may be going through similar situations. My husband and I have learned this to be true because of our different life experiences, which have led us in wanting to continue to share our stories along with others to know it is not how you start, but how you finish.